I come to you hungry and tired. You give me food, let me sleep. I come to you weak. You give me strength, and that's deep. You call me a sheep and lead me to green pastures, only asking that I keep the focus in between the chapters. You give me the word and only ask that I interpret and give me the eyes that I may recognize a serpent. You know I ain't perfect, but you'd like me to try. Unlike the devil who just wants me to lie till I die. Lord, why is it that I go through so much pain? All I saw was black. All I felt was rain. I come to you because it's you who knows. You showed me that everything was black because my eyes were closed. This is D. Shanks, a.k.a. Trom Diggs. This is a Guest in the House podcast. I am one of your co-hosts. And I'm your other co-host, Mickey Hess. Yes, yes, yes. And those are the words and sounds of um the late, great Earl Simmons, a.k.a. Darkman X, a.k.a. DMX. Here we go again. Um, I keep saying that we can't escape death on these podcasts and it keeps happening um so this episode is dedicated to the late great dmx and also the late great black rob black rob yeah 50 and 51 years old right yep 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 insanity Insanity. I mean, we're losing. This has to. I mean, how many? I don't think one of these guys has been over 55. No. You know, going back from Ecstasy, from Houdini, all the way, Prince Marky D, all the way, MF Doom. 49 for him, yeah. Yeah, not to mention just the kids, you know, whether it's Pop Smoke or King Vaughn or Mo3 and, you know, these kids are just getting their careers going 20, 21, 22, yeah. 23. And Grog's from Injury Reserve. I didn't even realize passed away last year. I hadn't even seen that in the news. But uh, yeah, Hip Hop Trio yeah, Injury yeah, Reserve. Yeah, yeah. Grog's died at 32 about a year ago, or last July. Yeesh. Yeesh. It is a, uh, I don't know. I mean, we're in the middle of an epidemic. But uh, pandemic. But uh, rappers are like endangered species now. Yeah. And if it isn't the rappers dying, it's the cops still doing what the cops do. <laughs> so there's that. Um, and the the two systems are connected. I mean, the the stress that living under such a threat puts on a person's mind state um growing up not only poor um not only segregated or isolated into certain neighborhoods certain communities but growing up with that the surveillance from the police department Mm. harassment from the police Mm. department and you know the threat of a cop killing you with impunity 
returning to work a few months later, you know, being paid for all that time in between. Um, that certainly affects not only your psychological being, but that affects your physical health. I mean, living under constant stress is going to take a toll on your body. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, they say physio- physiologically, your like cells are affected when you're carrying that much stress. Yeah, and studies even show it, it's hereditary. You know, the yeah. next generation will feel that. Say that, you know, you make it out of that situation somehow. You you find yourself in a place that's safer, where you're not under constant threat. Um, you have kids then, it's still almost encoded. You know, that next generation and that next generation are still going to suffer from that effect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a constant fight or flight mode. Mm. Constant, you know. Um but man, and so mental health, um, you know, addiction, um, like you said, constant fear, um, constantly being on guard, um, fear, you know, PTSD, um, I mean, a lot of, you know, that's, that's like a popular term. I, I was telling someone the other day, it's like, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome is kind of, or post-traumatic stress disorder. In that is post, but if you're in it, <laughs> it's not post-traumatic, right? It's like ongoing. It's stress. like just traumatic stress disorder okay. because we haven't been removed from. You know, many of us haven't been removed from the environment. I'm probably a post. Because, you know, I'm not where I grew up anymore. But let me tell you something. I was on the highway the other day getting a voice from school. State trooper gets behind me. My asshole gets tight. (laughs) It's just reflex. Yeah. (laughs) As soon as I see it, I clamp up. Yep. I'm doing 65. In a 60, I clamp up. Mm. Until they get away from me. I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, that's not a normal experience. I should see these guys and I think I should feel comfort. That's probably how it's supposed to work, right? That's what it looks like in the old children's books, right? Officer friendly and all that. Yeah. 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 You know, you told me a couple years ago, this may be five or six years ago at this point, but- up around Ryder University where I teach in New Jersey, I believe you told me you got pulled over by a cop who said some pretty messed up stuff to you. Does that ring a um, bell? Yeah, where was I? Um, Robbinsville, somewhere in there? Ro- Ro- Robbinsville. Okay. And you know what the funny thing is? What he said to me relatively speaking, right? It wasn't even messed up. It's just messed up when you really deconstruct it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he, um, they said I had a warrant. Um, it was my fault. I took a like quick glance at my phone. He had been tailing me for like a mile. Mm. <laughs> and then I took like, I didn't think I, I don't think I noticed. Um, 
I took a quick look at my phone. It was like three in the morning. I was like, going to make one of those three in the morning calls to a girl while I'm driving home <laughs> from my aunt's house. I took a glance. I guess I must have like, I wouldn't swerve is such an exaggeration of what I did. I didn't swerve. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I took a look, the car moved, lights came on. So, uh, runs me, says I have a warrant. Now, he says I had a warrant from like eight years ago. I'm like, so you telling me I haven't been stopped by a cop in eight years? Like I've just been driving around with this warrant from, um, the warrant, the warrant was from Trenton or something for like not having insurance or something. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, slaps the cuffs on me. And then says, what did he say to me? I think he said, what, you've never had cuffs on before or something? Because yeah, I was like, that's, you know, the shits were tight as hell. That's the one I'm he's thinking like, of. Yeah, he's like, you never had cuffs on before? I'm like, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there was that. So the, but, the um, insinuation is, I can't yeah. believe it. You know, yeah. at your age, yeah. you've never been taken into custody before. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't acting like someone who had been through this process before. And I, I guess that was surprising to him. Mm. <laughs> I would call then, that messed you know, up. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't, that, the messed up thing was when my cousin came to give, to, to bail me out, they ran him and held him for mm. a warrant too. And I'm like, why are you running him if he's coming to pay me? What's, what is he, you didn't stop him. So then they let me out. I had to go hit the ATM and then go get him. Uh, so it's sort of like, well, while we have you here. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, so if my if my if my seventy year old aunt came in here with the money instead of my twenty something year old cousin, you would have ran her too. Man, so yeah, crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff, and you know me, you know that's me doing all because you know a a a, a common response right is like if you just do the right thing if you just say the right thing your job should be to get home you shouldn't you know which is crock but i do it because look it's not worth it right but let's let's say i'm having a bad day you know let's say i was arguing with rachel or something and just wasn't in the mood that guy says something to me. I'm a taxpaying law abiding citizen. I have the right, I think, to say yeah, this is some bullshit, man. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say this is some bullshit and the entire climate of the situation turns because I'm not allowed to speak my mind to this, you know, civil servant. You know, it's just that type of like you know, like I said, the constant fear. Absolutely, the constant fear of someone who my tax money goes towards their salary. And you much the idea it's on you, right? The onus is on you to de-escalate to keep everything complete, calm. completely on me. Yeah. And I, he's the trained professional, or she. Mm. is the trained professional but it's completely on me to keep my cool to uh, uh, abide to to all 
rules, listen to directions, don't say or do anything out of line or out of step because I want to make it home. Sure. You know, and a lot of us are coming from environments where it's like, you know, you got to watch your back. You got to, you know what I mean? You can't say this to this. You know what I mean? Some of our environments, you know, if you step on a dude's toe, you might lose your life. Uh-huh. You know, um, we're faced with all of this. And then, man, we have a talent, we have a skill that allows us to, quote unquote, get out. And they were responsible for like an entire generation of folks. We have an entire community dependent on us now because we're the one with the gift. So there's that pressure. Yeah. You, the pressure to not forget your people, to come around, to, um, you know, we're going to talk. Um, later about authenticity as it relates to hip hop. Right. And what's attached to that, what keeping it real is and all of that. Mm. So yeah, these guys, they get addictions. They're dealing with trauma that's unresolved. Yeah. I mean, and then they become millionaires overnight. At 19, you're giving these kids $2 million with no guidance, with no anything. They're just out here now. And with nothing in place to say with like- nothing in place. You know, let, and their targets. Exactly, right? And DMX, you know, out of almost any, in particular, mainstream hip-hop artist, I would say he had it about as tough- you know, like his story from an early age is about as horrific as anybody's you've heard in hip hop. Listen, he, of all of the, um, you know, high profile individuals we've lost in the last two years, he might be the one that I really, you know, when I heard it, it impacted me deeply, of course. And then I immediately, immediately said, if anybody deserves some peace, it's that guy. Yeah. And if that's what's happening, if that's what's coming for him on the other side, then, Hey, I can't, I can't be mad. He's had one hell of a life, man. One hell of a life. I, you know, I don't even yeah, like, man, Man, he's kind of the most extreme example of what I'm talking about. So for the listeners who don't know, do you want to take us through some of DMX's life? Like where this guy came from, where he made it to? I mean, let's see. I mean, you know, he checks off all the boxes. If you're talking about foster care, we're talking about, you know, abandonment. You know, um, I believe his mother like dropped him off at the um, boarding school. Didn't tell her where he was going. Just dropped him off and left him. 
Um, so you're dealing with that, just rejection from your mom. Um, when he was what, 13 or 14, um, one of the older guys, actually the older guy who introduced him to like rap, introduced him to crack, introduced him to crack. So, I mean, homelessness, uh, just all of it, all of it. Um, dealing with addiction from a teenager. But he has a gift. So he makes it. He ends up, I mean, there's, there's, I I know we may have some younger listeners or some listeners who aren't like all the way, you know, locked in with like the music and the culture. But whoever comes to your mind when you think of rap star, DMX was as big, if not bigger, at at for yeah. like a five year period, he was the biggest. And people think Jay Z now, and he was bigger than Jay Z. Definitely, this guy was huge, and just all of those traumas completely untreated. Yeah, yeah. As if um the money he made was just supposed to handle it, right? Like, yeah. well, you got some money now. I'm sure you're good. Yeah. Well, you're rich, yeah. so all the problems go away. No, if you're an addict <laughs> with tens of millions, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. You now just have access. No one says no to you. Yeah. And if the people who say no to you, you just replace them with people <laughs> who will say yes. Then that's what happens. You know, they'll just go, I'll, okay, no, 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 no. Okay, I'll just stop hanging with you. I'll go find sure. a group of guys who will say yes and just get me what I want. And, you know, when you're, when you're, uh, I mean, I mean, the DMX had like 17 kids. Wow. You know, when you're chasing, when you're devoid of love, when you didn't grow up feeling love and there's a void, you know, there's like a hole there. Now you're in a world where everyone loves you and you're getting attention from everyone. That's gotta be a mind fuck. Yeah. He wasn't even that many months or maybe years out of prison when like mega fame hit, right? Mega fame. Mega fame. So I, I know I've mentioned before on the podcast that Royce the Five Nine had proposed that record labels should have to pay for musicians to go to rehab because he'd said himself, you know, mm. if it hadn't have been for his friendship with Eminem, if he hadn't have been able to call him and say, "Look, I need to go get myself straightened out. I need to go to rehab," and Eminem was just like, "I'll write the check." that he might not still be here. Um, but mm. really, you know, no matter how much money Eminem has, um, that shouldn't exactly be your friend's responsibility, right? Royce had recorded for several labels. Um, so his idea was to, to push record labels to have to support their musicians when they go through struggles like this. Um, I don't know exactly where that initiative stands right now. I'm imagining it probably has not gotten very far. Not for lack of effort from Royce, but probably pushback from the labels. I would say probably 
it hasn't gone much further than Royce's voice. Yeah. Um, I seen a post from um Styles P from the Locks mm. um regarding Black Rob's situation because um Ted released some like footage of Black Rob speaking and he was just in a bad shape and you know this was over the last week. This was when he was speaking on DMX's death, right? At, yeah, exactly. And that's when yeah. we realized, oh shit, Black Rob's not right, right? And yeah. then so there was like this and um <clears throat> talked about like we need a union. I've heard um mm-hmm. Nori from Capone and Noriega saying we need a union. I've heard, you know, everyone keeps talking. Mm-hmm. But you know, sometimes the problem is when you're rich and you're okay, then it's like, we need this, but no one's taking the initiative <laughs> because everyone's okay. Everyone who's thinking mm. about it is okay. And you know what I mean? Until we need a union, period. We need a union. And that union would then be able to push the record label. But one rapper is not pushing a record industry to provide anything <laughs> for anyone. So you're thinking one about- artist, like- period. Let's say that. Absolutely. You're thinking about like footage, like if you've seen the Wu-Tang documentary, you see Divine like on the boat. And the question is, well, why don't, why didn't all the other guys get rich like this? Why don't these other guys who were in Wu-Tang have this money? And he's just like, well, they didn't invest. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And and we saw, I don't know exactly what the timeline is off the top of my head, but it was just a few days, maybe a week at the most, before Black Rob passed. That Diddy had yeah. put up a post to say, like, you know, we really need to, you know, create this system, take these people to task. And it seemed really tone deaf. I saw a lot of people complaining about it even before Black Rob passed because oh, he caught he, heat for that. He's part yeah, of the system, right? Heat. How can that guy not consider himself? He was certainly a label exec. Um, I certainly consider him much mm-hmm. more of an exec than an artist personally of, I mean, yeah. how can he make that criticism and not include himself and say, okay, I'm sitting here. I'm nearly a billionaire. Um, I see that this guy from my label who made me a lot of money is in a really bad place. Why don't I start with what I can do today for this one person and maybe go from there? I mean, it, does it strike you as tone deaf? Is that a fair thing to call it? Um, yes, uh, not even specifically for not helping Black Rob, because I don't know what his relationship is with Black Rob, but for the reason you just said, like, you're a suit, bro. Like, you, you represent yeah. the system. So on unless you're going to, you can't call something to task that you are a part of. I mean, you know what I mean? Without you making a definitive move in the other direction. So unless you say, well, I'm going to go back in and I'm going to create a model, take someone like um, Steve Stout. Yeah. Steve Stout is um, most probably famous for being, well, not most famous, but most known by hip hop people for being Nas's manager. He's also just a mogul and a whole, you know, thing, big time and um, big advertising exec. Some of his um, work is probably like the, um, all the rap you see places, 
Steve mm-hmm. Stout has to do with it. So blah 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 blah. I'm loving it for McDonald's and you know what I mean. The um old Iverson Nike Reebok mm-hmm. commercials, not Nike. Old Iverson Reebok commercials. Big time ad executive, but comes from the music space. Comes from a music executive space and was um Nas's manager. It's kind of how he got his um feet wet. <laughs> he got his ass kicked too. <laughs> he just. Yeah, speaking of Puff, there's the uh, incident bottle um, over the head mm-hmm. incident for the Hate Me Now video. You can guys can Google that. But um, he just created a, uh, well, not just, but over the past few years, he's created this um, company called United Masters. And um, I believe... Most notably, um, one of these young guys, I think it's NLE Chopper, mm-hmm. is um, a part of this thing. And it's just kind of like you can upload, it's a distribution company. You can just upload your music via your phone or whatever the case may be. You own 100% of your music and, you know, they take whatever little minor fees that they take and and, and it's just a distribution company directly for artists no middleman right that is an example of someone who's benefited from the music industry creating an outlet for artists that helps them circumvent Mm. the music industry to the to date puff has not done any of that there's no fund like you said there's no new model for artists to create you know what I mean like there's nothing there that says I'm taking leadership in what I'm asking these people to do Yeah. and so it comes off you say tone deaf He's a politician. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe hypocritical. <laughs> He's a politician. A and, word, and, right? and, you know, being quote unquote woke and being like black excellence in black power and that's sexy now. That's in vogue. Mm-hmm. Everyone's conscious. And so there's something that I don't... I haven't, I didn't coin this. I can't remember who coined this, but there's definitely like a conscious currency going on, right? Like there's definitely money in being conscious. I just seen Tamika Mallory doing um, Cadillac ads the other day. Tamika Mallory's an activist, her organization Until Freedom. She's, you know, done a lot of work um, in just all over the place. I think most recently she was in Louisville. Yeah. 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 Protesting for the Beyonce Taylor. Taylor and all of that, right? Yep. Um, sidebar. One of her killers got a book deal, or just lost the book deal because we made a big fuss you know, about it. I think he, he still had a has book the book deal. He only lost the distribution. <laughs> it was going to be distributed through Simon and Schuster. By Simon and Schuster, but he still has the still book deal. The he book just deal. lost Simon and Schuster. You just probably yeah. won't find it front and center at Barnes and Noble insane anyway so yeah you know there's a currency behind this mm-hmm. there's the grammys and and and, 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 and you know they're, they're, so there's opportunities 
for folks. And I think, you know, just similar to the voter die thing. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it, the timing of it was odd. I was looking back at the dates just to make sure I had it straight. Yeah, Diddy posted this thing April 7th. And it was a, a letter to corporate America asking corporate America to invest in black artists. You know, if you love us, pay us a letter from Sean Combs to per- corporate America. And I mean, it, he's trying to put some pressure on big companies like GM to try to reinvest in black owned media companies. But, you know, right off the bat, this is when DMX is in the hospital. It's when this video of black Rob in tribute to DMX comes out and black Rob, like he looks like he's clearly on his way out. Um, It's a really sad video. He looks like he's just not long for this world. And, you know, about a week later he passes. So, Here's something Mace, another bad boy artist. So Black Rob was a black uh, bad boy artist, if you guys don't know out there. Um, so was Correct. Mace. Correct. This is how Mace responded. He said, your, your past business practices, speaking to Diddy, your past business practices knowingly has continued purposely, starved your artist, and been extremely unfair to the very same artists that helped you obtain that icon award. Yeah. That's in response to him winning a BMI icon award. And in that speech, mm-hmm. he, you know, took again the record industry to task and, you know, to, you know, whole prompt and circumstance. Um it it listen, you know me, I'm not a I'm not I'm not big on rhetoric. Mm. So I think all the shit's empty. I'm tired of hearing it. You know, um when I hear that we need a union, mm. it, Okay, then let's let's start one. I can't start it. I'll pay into it gladly. Man, the only union that has any power out there is the police union. Right, yeah, right. I mean, how about that? And the NBA players union. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and even they apparently. are are no police union. You gotta, you gotta believe that. Speak sidebar. We're all over the place today. That's fair. Let's do it. We're in the same. We're we're in the same place. <laughs> Perfect example. Because I'm not a genius. You know, I'm a fairly intelligent guy, but you know, I'm no doc, I'm no PhD. I don't study this stuff. I just read a little bit and I observe what I observe. Right. So. I'm watching um, the parents of what's the um, young man's name from um, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Is it Deshaun Wright? Dante Wright. Dante Wright. Right. I'm watching parents and the, um, I guess his aunt, his father's sister, mm. press conference the other day. Of course, um, Benjamin Crump's there. And again, I don't know these people. I don't know their heart. I don't want to question these folks. We talked about um, Tamir Rice's mother, Samir Rice, and what she had to say. Or did we? We may have not talked about that because I think we um, thought we solved racism a couple weeks back. <laughs> yeah, clear. I thought it, weeks it's ago. Funny, I was just listening to that uh, that podcast <laughs> that 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 part, that episode just dropped um, last week. Well, you know, we're recording this, but um, Ooh. and we talked. We made you know, you're like, yeah, we, obviously we were 
you know, it was in jest. But um, no, we haven't. Yeah. Racism oh is back. <laughs> See, and I really thought we'd done it. With a vengeance. I thought this <laughs> Yeah, see, they heard the podcast. And, yeah, uh, clearly, clearly, clearly. Well, so um, we made the joke because it was one of the very rare weeks that we don't have to address a tragedy where it was quiet. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. So when I see Benjamin Crump, I automatically, you know, know that we'll hear about the um, city giving a certain portion of money at some point in time, right? Sure. Because, to be honest, that's kind of his thing, right? Like, it's not about prosecuting criminals. It's about just setting up the stage for the however many million settlement that's going to get, get you know, shut out by the city. Which really means by the taxpayers, right? We yes. pay for that. Over and over. We pay for that. We pay for that. We pay for that. Over and over and over and over and over again. I'm not sure how that prevents or, or deters police from behaving in the manner that they behave. It apparently doesn't. Where's the class action suit that goes after the FOP and makes them pay out of their pension fund? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it finally happened with the NRA, right? Yes, yes. Or it's headed that direction with the NRA. Yeah, I mean, I honestly never thought I would see that happen. Yeah, I know. I've got to, I've got to feel like if that ten million dollars or five million dollars or one million dollars or five hundred thousand or a hundred thousand was coming out of those dues, they might think twice. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm no genius, but you know, I thought of that sitting in my basement, like yo. Know, <laughs> why are we why are we paying for that <laughs> over and over and over and over and over again we didn't do anything sure so i don't know makes me wonder man it makes me wonder so uh, i guess the the point i'm making for even bringing that up is leadership our leadership so you know we look at these guys as leaders we look at the puffs of the world as leaders and they look at themselves as leaders Cause you're yeah. the, you know, you take it upon yourself to take corporate America to task for us. Where's the real actual practical solution? Like where's the real, you know, why isn't my $10 a month going to pay, going into something that can pay for black Rob's medical bills? Like yeah. I'd gladly give a portion of my music royalties to a fund that's going to get, you know, Black Rob medical attention or get uh, mental health services for any rapper or substance abuse counseling for any artist. I'd gladly do that. SAG? SAG's a union? No? <laughs> it's a union. <laughs> I don't know if it works quite like the FOP, but well, it does I mean, exist. Nothing quite works like the FOP, but we got to start somewhere. We got to start somewhere. Otherwise, it's just talk, 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 talk. We've been talking about this since um, Poetic from Gravediggers, Mm -hmm. right? We've been talking about this since then because he didn't have any health care. No, I think Prince Paul and Reza brought it up way back then, right? Yeah. When uh, Poetic died of 
Prostate cancer, I believe it was. Years I believe ago. so. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of the reaction to Diddy's letter goes back to what we've talked about a few times on the show, like this great conceit of America, this premise in America that, you know, it's the corporations versus the people. And then nobody, no matter how big or how wealthy you get, you never really consider yourself part of the corporation side, right? Mm -hmm. So even Diddy with nearly a billion dollars in his pocket can say like, man, you know, the corporations need to take responsibility. <laughs> and he's thinking of himself as like one of the artists, right? right? One of the people. One of the people, right? One of the the black creative class that he talked about, you know, mm-hmm. and the corporations are not serving the black creative class. Like, I mean, that may be one of the barriers to any kind of union because the people who have money, I don't know, they're looking at the corporations to provide the money. As opposed to thinking like, what can I do? You know, what can I get going? I can pressure these corporations. I can complain about GM and see if they'll throw another two percent toward this. But I mean, if I'm if I'm if I'm taking Jay Z at his word, he said I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Yep. So you are a corporation. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, Sean Combs Enterprises is a corporation. And to an extent, I mean, I'm probably guilty of some of the same thing because I complain a lot about what universities should do. And I'm sure a lot of people could turn around and say, well, you're a, you're a professor at a university. What can you do today? What can you do to start this? And I'm still looking at like the system of higher education and thinking like, man, they're not going to listen to me. You know, like I can make a little bit of day-to-day difference. You're a professor and you're a tenured professor in a board chair, right? A program director for American Studies. Not even a board chair. No. God bless you. You should be. Now those um, guys have me a little more power. (laughs) That's my point. You're an an artist. (laughs) <laughs> That's it. I mean, I'm not a, the ditty of the universe. No, no, no. I mean, maybe no. you could point out the guy like Michael Eric Dyson and say, okay, so you're kind of like in the realm of higher education. You're sort of like the Sean Combs. Yeah. You're, you're um, the leverage you have is your mouthpiece because they can't just yeah. kick you out of there. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm like maybe the sun doobie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Dyson is the puff daddy or ditty. I'm maybe like the sun dude. And they just got Cornell West out of, where, where did they just get him out of? Princeton? Uh, where did he just leave? It was Harvard again for the Harvard second time. Harvard again for the second time. Yeah. For the second time. <laughs> yep. He just won't play by those Harvard rules. But he keeps, but he, but he, <laughs> he comes back. He thought once Larry Summers was no longer president, he thought he'd be safe. But yeah, I mean, come on. And again, Dr. Cornell West, do you think we could use you at an HBCU? <laughs> like, do you think you would have any value at an HBCU? He did go back in between those stints at Harvard. He was <laughs> at the seminary where he started his career. Yeah, well, he's back there York. now. He's, he's back there again. Yeah, so, so. Yeah. he's bouncing between Harvard and the seminary. Well, I guess he's been bounced from Harvard, so... Or I mean, I think he said it was his choice. But yeah, he's back at the seminary. So it's Union Theological Seminary. Yeah. Now I I don't believe is that an HBCU or not? I, I don't I don't believe it is. I don't believe it is. 
I don't no, believe not it that is. I can tell. No. no, it's just you know it's a small, but it's not. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little and place. I mean, it's where he first taught. Again, like I said with the Diddy Black Rob thing, mm-hmm. I'm not here to tell you what you should be doing with your time, money, resources, whatever the case may be. It just when I see clear solutions that we're not or like just clear courses of action we can take that we don't take and then i see us talking shit it makes me go eh, because you could easily just do this Mm. could easily just do this it don't i mean i have i sell about a t-shirt a month with the people versus (laughs) anti-people And I've got some of those. Some of those are me. I'm still sending, I'm still making donations. Yeah. Directly from the proceeds. Like, and if I made, if I sold more, I'd I'd give more. Yeah. And I'd let you know who I was giving it to and why. That's the whole point. That's easy. (laughs) That's easy, bro. You sell liquor everywhere everything sponsored by Ciroc everything mm-hmm. everywhere everywhere you go going versus Ciroc I was watching That's Fat it. Joe IG Ciroc everywhere Ciroc bro you're a corporation 10, 10%, 10% goes to um, behavioral health services like come on come on that's easy you going to you going to you going to make drinking cool and make us all, you know what I mean, run around and get drunk and and, and, and and have a good time and party. Yo, put some money back to the mm. the folks who are following you and and and, and overusing and because everybody can't drink in um responsibly. That's what they drink responsibly. Everybody can't drink responsibly. Of all those people that you're advertising to, a large percent of them are gonna drink irresponsibly and they need mm. some help. Easy easy call and don't say like that's i do stuff you know uh, i you know i don't i don't i don't i don't publicize everything i do some of the stuff i do is the you know cool then then shut up yeah. <laughs> it was up. bad timing to say the least it was an odd time to release that statement it's always bad timing <laughs> it kind of is huh Ugh. always bad timing i mean even bouncing back to Royce's idea, which maybe as far as it got, I mean, I don't know what success he's had with it. My little idea for what I could do as an individual professor a few years ago is I started reaching out to a lot of people about creating a scholarship fund for the children of rappers. Correct. You did. And in my my premise for this or my justification for this was that so many universities are teaching classes on hip hop, bringing in tuition money. Uh, maybe you toss a couple hundred dollars to somebody for a guest speaker, but for the most part, like, you know, it seems like there would be a better way to give back to these artists you're studying. You know, you, you're, you're talking about artists from maybe, you know, they're, their peak of popularity was maybe 20, 25 years ago sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't it be awesome if they have college-age kids and, you know, they're not in the position, you know, having peaked years ago to uh, dish out that tuition money? Wouldn't it be great if some of those schools teaching hip-hop classes could get together, 
create mm-hmm. some kind of even a competitive scholarship fund mm-hmm. for the children of rappers. And I talked to a lot of people about it. Everybody thought it was a great idea. Talked to people in universities, talked to people in music, um, talked to people on the business side of music. Everybody thought it was a great idea, <laughs> but nobody, <laughs> nobody really had the wherewithal to get it off the ground, mm. including me. You know, I, I talked about it for a while, but I could never make the thing happen. Mm. Well, maybe we need to resurrect that. Yeah. Maybe we should do something with that. I, I mean, you know, I'm, 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 I am, I'm so tired of talking on any of these fronts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, any action that, um, like it's just, it's just time for action. You know, I was talking to, um, producer Anthony before we got started and it's like, you know, something's got to give. And then, you know what I mean? I, I'm, you know, I'm afraid for what's going to give. Right. And so mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, we got to start putting some type of actions in motion, you know, and, and we can't, we could never, but uh, you know, uh, at this point we definitely cannot look to any of these folks mm. who are high profile to do anything for us their money is tied into the system puff can talk all that shit all his money is tied into quote unquote the system yeah we're running a responsible podcast i'm not so i'm (laughs) mincing my words i'm not saying what i want to say but it's tied into the system if those people pull those strings on him you know what I mean and so it's like you can't you can't it's just you you, you know you you want someone to cut us a check and I I mean there's there's something to that you know what I mean there's something to putting pressure Mm -hmm. on these folks to cut a check who's getting the check who's in charge yeah how do you manage it where does it go next Absolutely. There's nothing in place. So they just cut you a check? Do something for the artist. How? Where? What? And that's where the, you know what I mean? The fuck shit happens. Because then it's like, okay, we're going to cut some stupid organization a check. You know what I mean? And they're going to give more money to the, I don't know, whoever. (laughs) And we, that money doesn't trickle anywhere. That money never gets to where it's no. supposed to go. I think you used the right term there. The whole trickle down doesn't work. Never has, right? Never trickle has. Trickle down economics, it never gets down to the bottom. Never does. So why not, why not change your focus from yelling at them to do something for people that they don't give a fuck about, pardon my French, and the part of my French wasn't for you. It's for whoever might be listening. Like, <laughs> Trom's mad. Um, yeah, I'm getting offended over here. Don't, <laughs> don't, like, reverse your focus. What can I do directly that's going to organize these folks, the folks I need to affect? And then... As an organized, as an organized, whatever, 
then we put pressure on these people. Mm. It, you know, it's, that, I don't know. It's crazy. I man. think that spirit to organize has just sort of been trampled out of people over this the past. This guy, quote, speaking of organized, and I wish I had it because I didn't know we were going to talk about this. And I, I don't know if you have it pulled up. This guy quoted Stokely Carmichael. Which guy, Deddy? Deddy. Oh, I didn't know that. It was something about organizing. He quoted wow. Stokely Carmichael, a.k.a. Kwame Ture. Dude. <laughs> Nothing about you is Kwame mm. Ture, Sean Combs. <laughs> Nothing. I don't care. Wow, I did not see that. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, maybe tone deaf was mild. Um <laughs> And if you're gonna do, if you're gonna invoke Stokely Carmichael, then do something Stokely Carmichael-ish. Uh-huh. Do something Stokely Carmichael-ish. You know it's what tough. I mean? You wanting and 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 convince me that you asking GM or whoever to give money to black creators has nothing to do with you wanting a check for revolt. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that's that's where the letter starts, right? <laughs> Revolt gets crumbs. That's what you, he starts with. If you're gonna get and, and listen, and I'm you know, I'm sure there's some wonderful people of color and women and um that are employed that have opportunities to grow because of revolt. So, you know, I'm able to see all sides of it. You know, I'm having the network dedicated to our culture and all that. That's a great thing. Sure. But come on, man. Come on, man. There's tangible things that can be done. There's tangible things that can be done, man. All of you guys are making so much money off the backs of the people from the community. And it doesn't come back in. It doesn't go back in. So, you know, we talk about like our black community and, you know, they talk about the, um, we, we got to get our economic thing where, you know, 1.2 trillion and we don't, da, 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 and, then, and then the whole black dollar stays in the hood for six hours because we don't own anything in the hood. And it's, it's all of this talk, 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 talk. Where's the reinvestment? Where's the reinvestment? And, Who's responsible for for that reinvestment? GM, Viacom, Time Warner, Disney. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. What's their incentive? Public shaming or avoiding public shaming. That's that's about all we got right now. Right? And that's why he's being public shamed. Because now it's your <laughs> turn. It's your turn, buddy. You know what I'm saying? So, yep. you know, it, the, 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 heat sets, the heat that's being turned up on him, I hope, I hope he really, you know, takes inventory and really sees like, okay, <laughs> I, I, you know, because it's like, bruh, you them to us. You more them than you are us. You've been rich for a long time, buddy. Yep. I'm on board with that, man. So we'll see. 
we'll see. But man, prayers to DMX, prayers to his family, you know, comfort to his fans. Um, same for Black Rob. Oh, did you have a Black Rob clip you wanted to play? You I played do. the DMX. We, get out of here with a, we can get out of here with a Black Rob yeah. clip. This yeah, I want to uh, see which one you chose. Life. This is life story. Mm, yeah, man, okay. this is life story. Now, you hear those words. Yeah. Uh, we just Good talked choice. about we just talked about DMX's um childhood. Black Rob seems like he had a similar story. And so. of course, you know, of course, countless, 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 countless. From extreme poverty to extreme success, rare success, generational then, success. Back to extreme poverty. And then back to extreme poverty because no one surrounding you, no one around you, you have no pedigree for knowing how to deal. Mm -hmm. And the folks that hand you this check could care less. <laughs> They'll just find another you. They'll pluck another one out the hood and put him in your spot. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and the, the shelf life... A disposable, I, is that even a commodity? I don't even know. I guess yeah, it's a commodity while it's a commodity. That's a commodity. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, that's whether you're, you know, the black robs of the world or you're, you know, the number one running back coming out of USC that's about to get drafted or something like that. And we're just going to give you the ball 300 times a year, oh. run you into the ground, and in four years, we'll cut you. And your career is over and you're 26. In, in the words of JID, <laughs> you ran for a million yards, you're still 40 acres short. Real. 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 And then we, you know, as an audience, as a fan base, say, what are you complaining about? You're rich. Shut up. So there's not even, there's not even any, you know, empathy there. It's like, dude, I'm struggling. The hell, they gave you a million dollars. Shut up. Yeah. It's tough, man. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Had too many of these episodes, you know? Yeah. 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 It's... This year is 
taking a real toll on hip hop. Two years. It's two, two years. years. Of it, yeah. This is exhausting. This is exhausting. I mean, you know, we, I mean, this began kind of, uh, this began in 2019 with Nipsey Hussle. Mm-hmm. And it's been nonstop. It's been nonstop juice world. This is all pre-pandemic yeah, stuff. Definitely. Then, you you know, we get in a um, pandemic, you know, we lose Fred the Godson. We lose, mm-hmm. <sighs> man, and then in the midst of that, it's like mm, Pop Smoke gets killed. And then, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, Boosie gets shot even. Benny the Butcher yeah. gets shot. Uh <sighs> Scarface with all kinds of health problems throughout the year, yeah. starting with a COVID yeah. diagnosis and then just kind of yeah. never ending health problems cascading from that, right? Yep. Bismarck, Bismarck still in the hospital. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Still in the hospital, yep. um, reportedly suffered a stroke. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, maybe we can come back next time and, uh, have something more to celebrate. I mean, we're definitely celebrating DMX and Black Rob, but it, it feels overwhelming Heavy. to look at this list from the past couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like we said, when you when you're taking that, and then you know the police sanctioned killings. Um, by the time this drops, um, maybe, um. We'll know what the verdict was in the Derek Chauvin trial. Yeah. <sighs> I'm tempted to say, uh, I don't want to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, I don't, I don't want to know. I, I, you know. It's hard to have a lot of hope. Yeah. 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 But you gotta, you gotta, I mean, you would think, Pleading the fifth, you would think that would do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you don't, if you're pleading the fifth in, in your own trial, you don't want to testify for fear of incriminating your own self. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but you know, we'll see. We'll see, and it, we'll it see. needs to be murder. Manslaughter won't be enough. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the? Um, I don't know how much of that you've been paying attention to. Did um. The other day when they were um when they brought the uh I don't know what he was, I guess he was like a sound expert or something. And they're trying this is the defense, and they're trying to make the point that uh on the video, George Floyd said, um, I ate too many drugs. <laughs> Ooh, no, I didn't see that. I and, saw the car exhaust. Yeah, because the theory. defense is the, the the defense is right. Car exhaust fumes and 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 bad yeah. health and and drugs. <laughs> Any one of those could have done it. Not sure. the knee on the neck. Then sure. later on, I guess in this um in this video clip that they played, it's like I ain't do no drugs. Mm. Not I ate too many drugs. I've never heard in my entire <laughs> life anyone ever say I've ate. Uh, I ate too many drugs. That's not something anyone uh, ever said in no part when faced by the, the cops, especially. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry. On the ground, too many you know, drugs. I ate too many drugs. <laughs> uh. 
Yeah, well, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out hope for this one, man. I really am. I hate to say it. I am but, too. I yeah. am too. I'm gonna. I mean, you know, yeah, we need a victory. Yeah. Of some sorts, and it won't. You know, I don't know it. You know, some comfort to the family at least. At least. Absolutely. And um, we're supposed to be ending these things on positive notes, but um, don't got one for you guys today. <laughs> um, um, look, look forward to the Red Man and Method Man versus. That'll be on, awesome. Uh, on 420, but. That'll be awesome. Yeah, be that should awesome. be a little glimmer of something yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, outside of, of that, all this you didn't, you didn't, you didn't catch any of that Earth, Wind, and Fire Isley Brothers. I did not. I heard it was really well, good. You know, I, I didn't it, listen. Yes, it's one of them. It's one of them. It's the best. It's the best verses. Really, but yeah, it was the best one. But it, you know, we're talking about. <laughs> And we we're we're at an hour, right? We're past an hour. So <laughs> I think we, we are. We're not going to get in. We're not going to get into this tangent. But I'm just going. To, but I'm going to leave this. This is my positive note. I'm going to leave this. The Isley Brothers have 28 platinum albums. Damn. They had a number one record in 1959. Shout. Yeah. And they had a number one record in 2001, I believe. Contagious. Crazy. Crazy. And Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, you know, it's Earth, Wind, yeah. and Fire, right? What do these guys sing about? Love. Yeah. So when I see 79-year-old men who've been making music since the 50s, on, you know, healthy and celebrating themselves. And I contrast that with 50-year-old men dying by the dozens. 20-year-old mm-hmm. men dying by the dozens. And I say, hmm, what are they singing about or rapping about? And you can't tell me you're a writer. The tongue, the word, is the most powerful thing in this universe. Even if you're going to, you know, the religious thing, and in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Even if you're starting there, however you, you know, whatever your faith is, whatever you do, the word, you can speak life, you can speak death. We need to speak more life. And I'll end there. I think that goes for people who aren't artists too. That's everyone. That's what I say. You're a writer. That's everyone. That's just living your life day to day. Speak life. Think life. Yeah. Don't speak death. Don't think death. Yeah. Signing off. Signing off. I'm Mickey Hess. I'm Trom Diggs. Peace, love. And empower to all people. Absolutely. See you next time. Peace. There was something that I just had to see that you wanted me to see so I could be what you wanted me to be. And I think I've seen it because I don't feel the same. Matter of fact, I know I've seen it. I can feel the change. 
It's strange, I was got me beating down your door. But I've never known love like this before. It's a wonderful feeling to get away from the pain. And up under the ceiling, I get away from the rain. And the strain that I feel when I'm here is gone. I know real, so I wipe away the tears, song. And I almost lost faith when you took my man, Monty, Faso, and Dre's brother Dan. And I fear that what I'm saying won't be heard until I'm gone. But it's all good, because I really didn't expect to live long. So if it takes for me to suffer, for my brother to see the light, give me pain till I die. But please, Lord, treat him right.